Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of the Pat and Rose Show. We're going all the way back. I'm talking about before there was even CrossFit, before there was a small warehouse house in Santa Cruz, when Greg Glassman was a trainer in a big box gym and a man who was there at Ground Zero. Uh, his name is Jimmy Baker and he's a wealth of knowledge. I, there could be a play on words here, but I don't want to be ageist by saying that he's old school. I mean, <laughs> 70 years young, has been doing CrossFit for 20 years. And I, I, loved, I loved talking to Jimmy start to finish. And there's so many other subjects we could have dove into. It almost makes me never want to interview somebody below a certain age. Because if you've been on the planet seven decades, so many stories, so much life experience, so much perspective. Perspective. Uh, Jimmy was fantastic. He also has his background in his first career, which was that of a school principal and a teacher in both special education and general population, and a therapist to boot. So you can imagine the combination of those skill sets, what they would bring to the CrossFit world. And when he retired, again, he was under the tutelage of Greg Glassman for his fitness program. Greg said, hey, why don't you take this passion and this uh, all these, all this knowledge you have and apply it to an older population using CrossFit. And so he was encouraged by Greg to do that. He's been doing that since, so we'll call it over a decade in that game. Sure. And he's got tons of knowledge for affiliate owners who would like to implement a similar program or just fun to hear his stories about old school Greg. So ladies and gentlemen, we really hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Here is Jimmy Baker in three, two, one, go. Jimmy Baker, welcome to the show. We really do appreciate you. you coming by. Thank you. Enjoy being here. Now, I, I, the way that I think that you start this conversation is the fact that I found you in the hallways of this massive building yes. with probably 100 people who showed up here today, uh, but yes. a couple of couple of gray beards and, or some old, old hat guys that you knew and right. you had some stories in common with. This is not the CrossFit that you once knew. Correct. So what, tell, tell, tell the people at home or people who are listening how, what CrossFit was like when you found it, or, or if it even existed. So I was working out at a local gym, um, and this man was watching me and <laughs> came up and said, uh, I've been watching you work out. I'm wondering uh, <laughs> I can offer you some suggestions. I said, great. He said, can you squat? I said, well... I was in a motorcycle accident, and I was in a logging accident, fell out of a tree, and I've got a pretty gymmed up back, and I'm not sure, but I'll try. So I got down into a squat, and I got stuck down there. <laughs> and, Happened to many. And Greg yep, grabbed sure. me by the back of my shorts and picked me up and said, we got a lot of good things to work on. <laughs> and That's that was awesome. my... Uh, Initial experience with Greg. And the, the setting, uh, for those who don't know, because I, I cheated and I've kind of heard this story through uh, through friends and yeah. and colleagues, but uh, it was like a global gym type situation here Correct. in Santa Cruz. And, and Greg was, you know, there was a, a few of us, Eva and a couple of other people, that he was uh, introducing his own perspective of training. Yes. And... Um, and working it out, right? I mean, was this still the days of experimentation? When oh, it would be like... very definitely. Yeah. Very definitely experimentation. And so... What what year are we talking? Well... When was this? I'm 70, and I met him when I was 50. Okay, so, good. Yeah. Good, good two-decade, 1998 Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay, around there. perfect. I I've, have it stuck in my head that I, I remembered I was 70 because... Uh, one of the things he wanted me to do was I had just gone to the doctor. I was 20-odd pounds heavier than I am now. Uh, they wanted to put me on hypertensive medication and a statin. And Greg said, well, let's talk about your diet a little bit, which, you know, was mm -hmm. not the best in the world. And so, um, <laughs> you know, we started in little some consciousness about food and and as a result I never never went on those medications and oh, so Greg, so Greg many left people there need to hear that yeah Greg left there and and 
at that point in time, he kind of moved around to a variety of places and um, worked out at, uh, for a while at Claudio's uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym and then ended up uh, on Research Park Drive which okay. was the, the the original HQ. Right, right. Right. And um, close to where Santa Cruz Central is now. Correct. Yeah. Right up the street from from where we currently are. And so we had one garage doors worth of space and half of the top. And then the other side opened up and so we had two garage doors space and half the top. And so when people started coming, because when Greg decided we'd start doing the certs, we were kind of the crew that, you know, helped him. Well, do hold the on. Certs. I, I want to come back to this, but I got to stop you first yeah. because there's a critical, critical element to the story that I think uh, just jumped out and grabbed me when I was listening to your conversation from, I think, 2013 with Tony Budding. Uh -huh. And uh, Greg, Greg didn't just leave Spa Fitness by choice, right? Right. It wasn't voluntary. <laughs> well, Spa, spa Fitness. <laughs> What the fella who owned Spa Fitness, uh, there was, it was a husband and wife, and he, and he said, uh, I don't think this type of working out is compatible with us. <laughs> and so I was a school principal, and um, Greg called me at work and said, uh, and Lauren was also working there. Yeah. And he said, we, we don't have a job, you know? And um, in the same breath, he said, but I'm, I'm still committed to changing the way the world sees fitness. And, and, and at the time, this is a young couple. Yeah. They're, dri they're riding bicycles, they don't own a they, vehicle. They don't own a car. They live uh, in a little apartment and, um, Blake lived there, as did a friend of his on a couch. And so I went home and told my wife, I said, you know, this guy lost his job, and he's going to change the way the world sees fitness. He's either a <laughs> nutcase or he's on to something. I said, or maybe a wonderful mixture of both. Isn't that true? <laughs> yeah. And m mo most visionaries and geniuses are right <laughs> yep yep and so um i bumped around with him followed him around and uh, we had a little thing going where when we got to claudio's i gave him a i had a new credit card so i gave him my credit card and um and it and it maxed out at fifteen hundred dollars and then we had a ledger so when i worked out I had this little ledger that I subtracted. So from that, that the was money. Your, your membership, so to speak. So, yeah, so, oh, yeah. so people say it was a gift, training. and I say it was not a gift. It was just a loan <laughs> yeah. that yep. I worked off. Yeah. Wow, it just, just making it work. And this is the days before um, you know, fitness companies made it easy, like you know, Rogue and, and any kind of a piece of equipment that Greg Glassman could even dream up nowadays. Like somebody probably makes it and sells it. Right. And back then it was probably uh, a $1,500 point probably went a long way. Yeah. It was probably a dream come true for a trainer who was trying to yeah. start, you know, strike out on his own. Yeah. No, it was and, great. Those days were great. I look, for, I look back on them very fondly. You know, we can get to what you're doing now which is you spend your time training people but that back then when you first met greg and you were his student yeah back when you were 50 years old what was your primary occupation at that time i was a school principal i'd been in education for uh 33 years oh I, wow i worked half my career in, as a teacher and then vice principal and principal um in special ed and then i transferred the other uh, half of my career into alternative schools. So mm -hmm. I went into alternative schools as a principal. So I ran uh, a program for high-risk gang girls who were pregnant or had had their kids. Um, the ranches, um, this is in Santa Clara County, and the ranches for kids that still had time to do when they left the hall, um, the boys and girls ranches, uh, homeless program, and uh, it was a great job. And See, I did it wow. for 33 years. And 
So you dislike a challenge is what you're saying. It was. <laughs> it was it we was could have great. an entire show about that. <laughs> you know, it was great because in both those arenas, it was in the day where you had a lot of latitude to create. And you didn't have the restrictions on you. And I do really well in that kind of environment. When I get clamped too tight, it doesn't work well for me. So, you know, when I was a principal in special ed, we take kids who were, you know, tube, garage tube feeders and on trikes camping. Oh my and people God, really? would go, are you nuts? And we'd take the nurse with us and we would have a great time. But today, oh, that's awesome. we well, couldn't no one could do tell that. you no. No. We'd be sued, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody would put it on Facebook or social media and there'd be protesters in front of your house in 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, interestingly enough, it, it, it uh, unfortunately technologically didn't work out, but tomorrow morning we'll have an episode with a young lady who is essentially in charge of the grant writing for an entire school district in uh, Nevada, uh -huh. uh, Clark County, Las Vegas, uh, Clark County in Las Vegas. And they have now... Um, what was it, Pat? Two hundred. Say hundreds. Two, what? Well, Two hundred and forty-five schools now incorporating CrossFit as their official physical education program. Wow. Yeah, forty-nine high schools. Uh, you know, over a hundred middle schools and over a hundred elementary schools. It's so great because as as funding has diminished, one of the right. things that people take out is physical education, and they're just into kill and drill to be able to pass a test for the kids to be able to say look at our success rate and it's just very challenging i mean and one of the first things you just mentioned to have success with those special populations that you worked with is getting them outside getting them moving moving their bodies and we've spoken now with uh, a judge a magistrate who works with troubled kids crossfit helps them we're about to speak with you know the school administration that crossfit helps them both inside and outside of the classroom so you know, it's uh, interesting to see all these different communities kind of overlap and the very young attending school, and we'll get to eventually in this podcast, <laughs> the population that you embrace, which is the older generation, which is fantastic. So uh, you're an educator. Right. It's interesting. I just, I, I have a six and a seven-year-old. And yes. yesterday I was talking to my seven-year-old and he said, oh, I want to be, I forget, forget exactly how the conversation went, but it's something to the, to the, the effect of. I want to be a coach because boys coach. And I was like, well, don't you have any, don't you have any uh, female teachers? And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, all my teachers are girls. And I said, well, well, what's the difference between a coach and a teacher? And he couldn't really work it out. And he kind of saw the point that I was trying to make is that they're, they're very highly intertwined. So yes. you were an educator for decades. And now you meet this guy, Greg Glassman, who's, um, he's got these crazy ideas, but also he's a fantastic teacher and, and uh, he can transmit ideas very well. And uh, I'm going to let you pick back up with that, that part of the story where you said you've got this modest space, uh, you moved into it, and you, get, you guys kind of became teachers is what I, where I think that was going. Yeah, we, you know, he would, I mean, I remember, so my ex-wife, Debbie, and I would be, uh, we'd meet him at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. So that was our workout time. It's and the real uh, time. we would get there, and I remember the day that we walked in, and Greg said, isn't this great? And I'm looking at a cargo <laughs> net. And I'm like, really? And he said, I haven't done this since I was in the Marine Corps. He said, well, so just climb it, hold on really tight, and flip <laughs> over the top. You know, but he, he's so charismatic, and you... And that's one of the things that I try to pass on to other trainers is once people trust you, you have an incredible responsibility because they'll follow point. you. And that's a great point. that can go to a good place or people can get hurt. So, but Greg was just, he was standing on the other side. I don't know if he could have caught me <laughs> if I went down. But he was standing there, and I had the faith, and went hey, man, over. Hey, man, some sense of security. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Right. He's making you feel confident one way or another. Yeah. That's like spotting and rock climbing. You know, you put your hands up, and I know they're like, right. theoretically. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was great. And so I worked out. We worked out with him for uh, just about seven years privately. And then, you know, things were just getting too big. And so we went into the classes, and um, and that was that was a great transition. And when you say too big, like 
you know, I, I got into this whole thing maybe around 2006. And I remember every year being like, wow, this is getting really big. Wow, this is getting really big. Right. And then 2012, I was on television. And then I was like, wow, it's getting really big. Right. And then we had gyms internationally. So what, what did getting really big back then look like? Well, getting re- really big was that Greg only had so much time. And so if mm-hmm. you're training an hour, a person or a couple, you can fill up 40 hours. Yeah. And you still have this demand coming in. Yep. And so that's when the concept came of starting to run classes. Yep. Because it needed to happen. Right. You know. Um, yeah, and, and just to reiterate that, because yeah. some of our listeners maybe started CrossFit yesterday, uh, you think when people are introduced to CrossFit now, they assume that it's always been a group class atmosphere. Right. But once upon a time, it was it, Greg was doing all private training, it right? Was, it was one-on-one or one-on-two. So or, that's yeah. In, yeah, that's interesting yeah. to hear that the, the, the group training really came from necessity, not from right. the fact that you have to do it that way. Right, right. And so, you know, I, I don't know if you want me to jump ahead, but um, we went through that time, and I then was ready to retire, and I was sitting out on the open little grinder outside the place, and Greg said, so what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I'm going to take a break. <laughs> I'm going to sleep in. I'm not going to have a schedule. He goes, well, then what are you going to do? I go, I don't know. He goes, you should take the principles that we've developed and apply them to older people because it was his idea not mine interesting yeah he said i never do that look who we have here we got 20 year olds we got 30 year olds we've got a handful of 40 year olds and then we have you guys well you guys was mary conover chris mockney kevin johnson myself and then Sally Steed. So five of us were in our late 50s to early 60s. And we were I the remember, old folks. I remember the videos of you and Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, they were we, great. We were, we were the old folks. And I actually, just as a side, I, I still see Kevin because he's here. But I also, and I still lift with Sally. And Mary oh, I'm awesome. in contact with. And Chris Mockney, uh, I still train. No kidding. And Chris Mockney will be 80 next year. Yeah. And she is uh, doing a thing, eight for 80. She's, she's an international ice climber. What? And she's doing eight climbs around the world. Really? Yes, eight climbs around the world to generate money for uh, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So she's an ice climber. Yes. Traveling the world that's about to hit 80. She's got, yes, she's going to be 80. And she's, she's selected eight different climbs. Wow. Um, to generate money for this. So what, what does, just as an aside, what does a woman who's 80 years old and can travel to eight different continents to ice climb look like in a gym? Like give people a metric by, by which they She's can, tall and slender. But, but what I mean by that is like, does she do pull-ups? Does she? Oh, yeah. So she's got pull-ups she's at 80 pull years old. pull-ups, back squat. Um, you know, like, and I'll get into it with, you know, training our folks, but her shoulder's a little stiff, right? She's had some surgeries and, and uh, recovered from those. Um, she can box jump. She, That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing with, with, with her, Chris, is she is... She's got more testosterone than any of my older guys. <laughs> She's driven, you know? That's fantastic. And she has a goal. And that's so critical, I think, as we age, that there's something that has us come to why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And do you find most of your clients have that when they walk in the door is that a conversation you have with them or do just you see the super successful ones have it and the average ones don't right well you know um when i started i had this whole check sheet of 
tell me about this, 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 tell me about, you know, medical issues, medication you're taking, blah, 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 blah. And uh, what I realized from this one lady who I was working with into it about three months, she was doing uh, a pull-up with band, and she was pulling <coughs> off. It was really, it's the first time we were on the, on the doing pull-ups with a band, and there was this pulling off to one side, and I said to her, what, what is that about? And she said, well, I, I had breast cancer, and, um, and they took uh, the breast as well as, as they took uh, a lot of the muscle. And I thought, and I knew her well enough, and it was a risk for me to take, but I said, you know, you remember when I asked you, do you, do you have any issues or anything like that that, that um, you could fill out on the form? She said, well, I didn't have a relationship with you then. Hmm. Oh, right. And so that, like, really stuck with me. And so um, what happens, what I do now is probably over half of my folks come to me because their kids, grandkids, or a friend thinks it's a good idea for them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, dad is not as strong as he used to be. Dad is kind of clumsy these days. Dad fell down. Uh, or they had some significant issue happen in their life. Um, I have, I do and have trained people who have had heart attack, stroke, breast cancer, cervical cancer, prostate cancer, single knee replacement, double knee replacement, double hip replacement, it kind of goes with the territory of working with older people as well as three amputees. Um, So now it's, we walk and talk and if they fall into that category of someone else thinks it's a good idea, I'll, I'll ask them, I'll say, well, if this were worth it for you, what would you like to see? Nice. And they'll tell me. They'll tell me something. Mm -hmm. And then I just very casually ask them, uh, is there anything about your health or fitness that I would need to know to keep you safe? And they'll either tell me the truth or they won't, you know? And then it's it's upon me to be observant (laughs) enough to, to then question later on. But I don't make it more intrusive than that. Yeah. You know? And, and, you know, to my fault, I mean, I, you know, like I mentioned, I was a principal, but I'm also a registered therapist, marriage family therapist. I should have known that because I rapport see. is what starts the conversation. Sure. And yet somehow when I was in a gym environment, I threw that out the window. You know? <laughs> but there's no, but it takes time, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it takes time. And it, and it, and exactly. It, you know, uh, time under tension and, and, and reps just like it takes to get, uh, you know, stronger, more physically fit. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, it, it jumps out to me because I never forget when I was young in first training and I was very much fell into the cheerleader category of things where I was, yeah. one, you know, I was very rah-rah. I would push people. Um, and I had someone, uh, uh, an older gentleman at the time, I think he was 65 and, you know, I'm, I'm 25, I think at this time. Right. And he took me aside and he's like, very lovingly said, hey, listen, <laughs> you got to understand I love your energy, and I think you're fantastic, but <laughs> I have injuries that are older than you, literally. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and, That's and, awesome. And I, I just wonder, you know, I, I think the most important as, uh, attribute that a coach can have is empathy, yeah. the ability to, to really, really put themselves in someone else's shoes to feel what else someone else is going through. Yep. Do you think that that's possible to achieve without the kind of experience that you have? So in other words, could... Could a young coach maybe learn how to work with an older population, or is it? I I, I certainly think it's possible. I think it's it's um, it would be a good thing to shadow an old guy like me or an older bet. trainer, because you know I'll get I'll get emails from um, coaches. You know I got the last one was from a coach in Mexico, 
you know, very well-meaning, but he's going to train his 80-year-old mother who's never worked out, has gone to church, walks to church and walks to the store, and I ask him what the workout is, and he's going to bury her, you know? Right. Not, not in a negative way, but one of the biggest challenges for young trainers is that they take their own physical prowess for granted. Those yep. things that they just do, their warm-up would be more than my first two or three sessions. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've got a quick personal story on this that might help illuminate this. My wife's mother is in and out of CrossFit gyms. She's about 60 years old right now. And my wife was personally training her for a while and training her appropriately. Life gets busy, so she went to go check out a, a local gym after probably taking several months off. And there was this intro class specifically designed for an older population. And after the class was over, she called Emily and I and was like, I'm here to tell you, all of us, you know, we spoke after this class that this young trainer put us through. Half of us had to limp out of the gym. They, we got beat down. And 75% of the people that she talked to said they have no intentions of coming back whatsoever because of what that first session was like. And right. I think... I think people just don't understand, like you're saying, I mean, that first initial session, you want you want somebody coming back the next day saying, oh, man, you really could have given me a lot more. Right. You, you were pretty light idea, on me. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Instead of going like, I'm, I'm going to show these people just how hard this CrossFit is. That right. would impress them. That's not the population to do it with. No, because we're not interested in, I mean, we're still all vain. You know, I got about 12 hairs on my head, and I want to make sure they're all going in the right direction. Amen. But, but you know, given that, you ask people why bec most of them are retired. They have come to a place in their life where they want to be able to play with their grandkids. They want to be able to take tours and not do the geriatric one, you know, mm -hmm. that they can put their bag up in the, on the train while it's moving. They're, you know, they, those aspects of their life that they now want to enjoy, and that's what they want from it, you know. They're not interested in, can I keep pushing the boundaries? Right. You know, that's a secondary issue. Right. And, it's you know, I train, 80% of my folks are, are women. I thought I was going to train all my old buddies. Right. No. No. And, and this is a generalization, but I've trained a fair number of older people, and older guys, as a general rule, are much more delicate to train than older women. Physically. Physically or emotionally? Emotionally. Interesting. Okay. Because... We, I don't like to use, as an old therapist, I don't like to use the <laughs> word ego because it has a, it's, it's not neutral. It has like this negative connotation to it. Mm -hmm. I'd rather say we as males, as old guys, know we're not where we were. Right. But we not don't want someone to put our nose in it. <laughs> so if I take you on the first time and I don't break down a squat, and I don't break down a lunge, and I don't break down the bar overhead, and you walk out of there and you say, well, shit, I couldn't squat, I couldn't put my arms over my head, and I couldn't mm -hmm. lunge, why do I want to go back? Because we hold on to that virility, that self-perception of ourselves. I mean, right. I can't tell you how many guys have, will tell me, you know, I was a Green Beret in Vietnam. Or, you know, I was, th these are all true stories. I was going to be drafted by the Giants. And now I'm looking at this guy with a friggin' gut on him. And, <laughs> but what does that tell right. me? Go gentle. Go mm -hmm. easy with this guy. Because if I hammer you, you are not coming back. And it's, it's probably... Um it's tough for some of those individuals to realize at a certain point you're in that chapter of your life that it doesn't matter how much weight you're squatting. It just matters that you're squatting. Yes. 
Exactly right. And that yeah. can be that can be a tough pill to swallow and most of your life has been has been measured by how fast you run, how big your lifts are, and suddenly it's just the act is more important than the actual number. And that's that's quite a that's quite a mind shift for a lot of folks. Yes. So I, I may be putting the cart in front of the horse here, but I'm interested just because um, I think what my, the answer to my earlier question was that you really can't fake it. Like maybe you could shadow someone like yourself, but there's no faking life experience. So someone who's coming to you with those situations, they, they probably wouldn't look at a 35-year-old trainer the same way. Are you right. doing anything? So this is your second career. At some point, you'll probably stop training. Are you doing anything to kind of replicate yourself or... At the, do you know what I'm saying? Like, well, are there, are there I, any I, young, young bucks, like 50-year-olds who you're yeah, looking at who can I, step I've, in? I've actually had maybe, but not many, maybe like four or five people come. And, you know, we do some progressive work. They shadow me. I, I, we share. Uh, we break down what a, based on what they observe, what, what a lesson plan. I'm, you know, I'm an old school teacher, so... I've got to go in with my lesson plan. Right. You know, mm-hmm. what a lesson plan would be like that. But um, to be honest with you, not a whole lot more than that Okay. at this time. And I'm curious, are there things that you're doing in your class with, well, let's, let's identify some terms first. If you say you specialize in what we'll just call the older population, what age range is that in your mind? The age range is from, I have a few exceptions, but for the most part, it is people 60 and my oldest gal is 90. Okay, yeah, that's and fantastic. Probably, um, and probably my mean age is late 60s to okay. early 70s. And so with your population of 60 to 90, you know, you have, let's say, your class going on Monday through Friday. You look to your left or right there at CrossFit Santa Cruz Central where Andy Sakamoto and a whole bunch of other people train. They're running, uh, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, the normal group class, right? Right. right. Uh, there are some movements that you look over at the quote-unquote normal group class and say, there's no way in heck we're doing that. We don't need that. Like, do you have different things that we would, if we observed your class, that would stand out to somebody who does just the typical, you know, CrossFit.com workout every day? Yes, and what what are yeah. those? What what will we see? Well, I I am. I I think of four areas primarily, with a little caveat on one. Strength, cardiovascular fitness, balance, and flexibility. And when I think about balance, I I integrate um, in there. Um, some agility and some coordination. Okay. I, so I so I think of my focus of attention as being those four domains, and I um, intersperse that. You know, first of all, my warm up is generally twenty minutes. That was going to be another question I have because at, at a certain age in your life, a warm-up is optional. Yeah, you know, let's just right. hit it today, and you can get away with that. Correct. But at a certain point, it probably is not only detrimental but potentially injurious. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So what you would see in my group is a lot of warm-up. Okay. You would – we are always would be – you know, the, the number one, as, as I'm sure you know, number one reason for emergency calls in the United States, 55 and over, is falls. Okay, all right. So my folks are prime can including myself, because I've fallen, prime candidates for falling and hurting yourself. And um, so we always are doing some kind of balanced activity, be it static activity, be it more dynamic activity. Um, Sometimes it's just reactive. I mean, I'll, I'll take the old, we have the old wooden, you know, plyo boxes and, Mm -hmm. and turn the 20 inch one over against the wall. And we play garbage can basketball. 
You know, and people nice. go, well, that's stupid. But, <laughs> but what's happening? If I pair two people up together, I'm working on uh, accuracy, yep. shooting. The other person's shagging the ball, so I'm getting reaction time from them moving, getting the ball back to their partner fast. Um, certainly cardiovascular fitness. And, and then we'll shoot, you know, and then we'll take turns, but we'll shoot with the right. Then we'll shoot with the left, mm-hmm. you know, or we'll turn it down and we'll, we'll play soccer. We'll kick it with the right and kick it with the left. So oh, yes. even, though I, I, even though most of us, including myself, are asymmetrical, we're always, I'm always working towards some level of, of symmetry to the extent I can get it. So well, those are those are things that if you didn't force them to do it, such as kicking a ball with the foot or what. I mean, after unless you played college soccer, you could go decades and decades or de- the rest of your life without ever encountering that movement, unless a trainer like yourself forced you to do it. So, I, I like the forced agility and the forced you know focus on balance. Correct. Yeah, and we do. You know, we'll run the ladder. You know, we start with mm-hmm. some very basic movements on the ladder, and then we'll get a little more, you know, wild and add a little speed to it. And then we have the little uh, parallettes. They're PVC. We have the metal ones, but I like the PVC, so if they kick it, they don't hurt themselves. You know, right. to, to get those legs up. We get lazy legs as we get older, you know, and... and you know, we get into that little, that little shuffle doesn't happen overnight. It's a progressive kind of thing. So we're overcompensating to keep those hips up. And it's usually the back leg that catches you, not the front leg. You go, oh, I'm over <laughs> it, and then you go down. Hmm. Um, so I'm also, um, I'm not a great component for high repetition work. Okay. You know, I'm of the belief that, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing CrossFit 20 years, so I've had two shoulders done, a knee, and a hernia repair, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and the orthopedist said, you know, I don't care how fit we think we are for our age, we're working on worn joints. Mm. Sure. So I don't do 150 wall balls anymore. You know, those days for me are over. I'm much I don't do more, them now. <laughs> I'm, much, I'm much more interested in uh, twos and threes, you know, okay. and taking a little break and then hitting it again so that that person has, at, at the end of the day, has a well-rounded experience rather than hammering high numbers of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also selective about there's some things that I just don't do. Um, I don't do single rep max. It's too risky for me. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but no that problem. was another that was another thing that caused my mother-in-law to leave a different CrossFit gym because they didn't offer a specific class for an older population. But the trainer was like, "Hey, come in, no worries. You know, we'll, we'll help you out." And the intro is a bit rougher than it should, but she left because she's like, geez, every day we go in, we, we can't even just do a normal workout. They were one of those gyms. She's like, every day they're asking me about my one rep to establish my new one rep. And it was just beat the tar out of her. And then she eventually walked out of the place and they lost a client. Right, right. Yeah, I like fives. And every now and then, if if it's a seasoned person or my my group, I, I know really well. We'll do threes, mm-hmm. but nothing below that. Uh, it's just too risky. And there's, and in my mind, does it really matter? Right, right. You know? I mean, the, goal, the goals have changed, right? right. Your goals does have shifted. Really, you know, like my one gal came to me, and she's a, a, a lady who lives by herself, and said, you know, I can't get the dog food out of the trunk of my car I have to wait for the fella to come and get it, and it's embarrassing for me. Oh wow! So, 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 what do we do? We we worked on strength work, just using the kettlebell, 
doing mm-hmm. deadlifting. And then I got 40 pounds of dog feed and put it in the back of my car, mm-hmm. and we worked on how to manage it and, and walk with it, you know? Right. So if I can get some pr- uh, functional application, I'm a happy guy. Well, that's it too. You know, we used to say in the level ones all the time, like, okay, you're a young buck. You want to just crush it in the gym and have your name all over the leaderboard. And that's great if that's where you are. But at a certain point in life, you're going to just want to be functionally capable and independent to not go in the nursing home, to walk up and down the stairs, to do your own grocery shopping and all that. And another personal story, which is sad and funny at the same time, even though I work for CrossFit, most of my family, they don't do it or really know what it is or think right. it's weird. My father, who's about 70 right now, uh, over the last five years or so, has just been getting a rash of injuries just living life. Like yeah. So now he's at the point where he should be working out, not because he cares at all about athletics, but because life hasn't stopped forcing him to pick things up off the ground or move things. He picked up um, a small b- uh, basket of firewood like three years ago, like four or five pieces of firewood just blew his back out. <laughs> and then he was moving a small ladder to like clean the leaves out of the gutters up there in New England and like just tore his Achilles tendon, like putting his heel on the ladder to shift the ladder. And I was like, Dad, what do you, you know, I started having the conversation, when's the last time you did this? When's the last time you did that? I asked him when the last time that he ran was. I'm like, not a jog like you try to catch a door that somebody was closing. Like, when's the last time you ran faster than to catch a door that was closing? And he thought for a second, he said, probably Vietnam. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that's not a good sign, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The trouble, you got some trouble looming in your future. Yeah. Yeah. It's use it or lose it. It's true. And and I wish it weren't true, but I tell my folks, I used to be, uh, when I first started training, someone would say, you know, I think I'm going to take a little break. And I would think it's self-serving for me to interject my thoughts about it. But now I tell them, I go, don't do that. Because mm-hmm. I wish it weren't true, but we lose it quicker. Yeah. We just do. And it's, yep. and, and, this is as much a mental game as it is a physical one. And the longer you're away, the harder it is for you to come back. What's the, how is that usually received? Is there a... a... You know, they'll, they'll, they'll stay on. Yeah, good. They will. Yeah, they'll stay on. So, the, you know, the, the physical part, I think, it speaks for itself. And it's, and it's uh, although people, you know, my, my parents are probably, or not my mom, but my, my dad's in the same boat probably as Pat's, but... Uh, what about the the community aspect of it? I know you're a huge proponent of like of that as well in terms right. of what CrossFit does, and I've heard you speak to that. I just love right. to hear your thoughts on on what that provides for people in, in your group that you're treating that you're uh, coaching. You know, I, I I love the fact that at our gym we have twenty year olds to ninety year olds, and and I think when we talk about community. There just is a certain richness in the spectrum of age in terms of experience and in terms of relationships. And my, and my folks will get done and they're interacting with someone who's obviously at least their kid or not, if not their grandkid. Mm-hmm. And there's this, you know, there's this camaraderie that, that it's, it, it is the glue, you know. Um, when my folks have surgery and they're out, people send them cards. You know, they, you know, hey, you know, glad you're getting that knee replaced and see you soon. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's, it's kind of like, especially as people, as I see now, my 80 year olds who have, their friendships, their friends have passed on. Their life is getting a little smaller. Some of them have to take Uber to come to see me, but they come to a community. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's kind of like, and I don't mean to say this in a derogatory way, but it's kind of like church in a way, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. It's got, it's got elements of, of a religious it's, community, yeah, right? Yes. There's fellowship there. Yes, there is. Yep. Yeah. So you've been... 
about deep in the community for 20 years, so maybe you have a better answer to this than anyone. When people come to you and they you tell them, hey, I, you know, I'll train you in CrossFit, and they say, well, what's CrossFit? How do you explain it? Hmm. What I say to them is, I, and I give them my own view, and, okay. I, and I say to them, this has changed for me as, as I've grown with CrossFit, and I've aged, and my relationship to CrossFit has changed accordingly. But it is a way that we can stay as fit as we can be, given the realities of the things we have, and I use myself as an example, of, of some of the limitations we have, and we all have them. But our focus is on what's available versus what's not available. And we expand that, and we do it in a community of caring. That's fantastic. So I'll get on board you, with that. Yeah, for sure. Y you touched on when these, when the clients come to you, things that you'll focus on, um, such as the balance, the agility, the strength, the flexibility, the warm-up, things like that, which are obviously deficiencies that they weren't getting in their normal daily life that you can help remedy. When you guys talk about what they're eating, what do you see in that population? You know that that needs to be eliminated. Or you, you know, what are the classic two or three things that you correct nutrition-wise? Well, I do not bring up eating until they do. Okay. All right. Nice. I like that. There's the therapist coming and, out again. And <laughs> be, you know, and the opening for me will be. Oh, I can't. I can't do this. <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, I'm carrying, packing too much weight, and so, if there's an opening there, that I hear, then I'll say, well, would you like to have a conversation about that? I've, I've got a few ideas if you like, you know. Okay, mm -hmm. and I'm a relatively slender guy, so they'll or they'll be curious about, well, how do you keep your weight down? And I, and I tell them what Greg said a long time ago, that you can't work out hard enough to compensate for a bad diet. Right. And, and, if, you're, so, and if you're hearing this and you think that you can, you're probably under 30 or 40 years old. At yeah. some point in time, <laughs> that's going to change. Yeah, it, truly. Yeah. <laughs> that metabolism does change. And um, so... I take it really slowly. I ask them just to quantify three days for me in terms of what they eat and how much they eat. And, and, and once they're ready for that, so that it's their idea and not my idea, rarely do they not complete it. Mm -hmm. They do it, and then we just look at that. And I take one... I don't give them the lecture about paleo or anything else. I just take one thing, one aspect, and ask them to hold that. So it, it may be that three scoops of ice cream at night, let's cut it in half for a couple of weeks and let, mm -hmm. let me know how it goes and tell me the truth, you know? Right. You blew it on Saturday night, <laughs> that's okay. You know, right. let's just... Let's have an honest dialogue. So I take, and so I may tweak their breakfast a little bit or throw in a little a salad for lunch. Some people, and they, they eat a little something for breakfast and they don't eat till 10 o'clock at night, mm -hmm. you know? And then they have this big old meal and then they go to bed, mm -hmm. you know? And for other people, it's like, how much do you drink? Right. You know? Right. I have a couple drinks. Well, I grew up in a bar. My father owned a blue-collar bar. So when they say a couple drinks, I go, well, how many ounces would you say that would be? I go, do <laughs> me a favor. Pour it into a shot glass. Give yourself the, the number of belts you would normally do, and then just tell me what that is. And so we try to cut it down. If it's three, I would say, can you, can you live on two for a while? Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's very, for me, it's very tailored to the individual. 
And what I'm hearing is just it's baby steps. If somebody's been eating some way for, you know, with your clients, potentially six decades, six and a half decades, you go, hey, you know what? (laughs) Everything you're doing is dead wrong. We're changing everything starting tomorrow. You're not setting them up for success. No, no, no. (laughs) But but even in light of that, like that change must come more difficult. Yes. So, I oh, mean, sure. I mean, how, Stuck how, in your ways. Yeah. How, I mean, how, how tough is it even with, with uh, that kind of gentle approach to, to get someone to change their habits? Well, you know, that's one of the things we'll talk about. We'll say, um, and I, this is just me. If we're talking about that, I'll say to them, let's do our workout. And then the additional time, if I can plug it in or we'll meet separately, is a, is a freebie, you know. And, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll problem, I'll ask them what, what could get in the way in terms of a, converse, a personal conversation you have that you've habitualized over time or, or your wife or girlfriend who really likes to make strawberry cream pies oh, or boy. your grandkids that want to give grandpa his C's candy. These are all true stories. I was going to say, I right. love that all your examples <laughs> yeah, are true. they're all true. <laughs> right. Wants to give grandpa his pound of C's candy. That's you good know. stuff, though. So let's, let's problem solve that and find a way that we can still respect our loved ones but also take care of ourselves. I'll tell you what, I think your previous occupations of being a lifelong educator and the therapist there have made you it's almost like a competitive advantage you have an unfair advantage because your your presentation of this material and Rory and I communicate with people for a living deliver messages for a living I think you're spot on Jimmy to be Thank honest you. with you and and I hope a lot of the people listening um just you know take it take it and then think about how they generally present material to people and there's probably a lot of good lessons to walk away from in this well and, and you know I, I i try and you know this is kind of my passion obviously and and i try to say to people that ask me gym owners these first of all ten thousand people a day in the united states are turning 65 hmm. oh 10, wow thousand and the current projection is that's going to last for the next 17 years. Jeez. So if as a gym owner, you haven't worked a way to not just get but to hold on to those folks, you're missing a big percentage because why? They've got the time, the motivation, mm-hmm. and, and the money. Wow. And you need to present them with an environment that they feel comfortable, safe, and cared for that they even walk into your door to begin with. Right. And you can train them in the middle of the day when nobody's there. You know, I start mm-hmm. training at 9, and so it's kind of busy, 9, 10, 11, and then there's nothing till 4, you know? So... Mm-hmm. The gym is dead time then, and it's, it's perfect for me. So, so what, 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 if we can bottle up like some of the, the most important messages that you would want to get across? So, so there's a gym owner that's hearing you. They, they're right on, and they, and, and they see the need. They have the desire to help uh, this population or to serve this population. Um, I don't know. What, what are the things that they should keep in mind as they're, as they're trying to create this community within, uh, within their own? Well, yeah, I, I think one of my viewpoints is we're not in a hurry to get someplace. You know, when in doubt, back off. Yeah. You know, I tell yes. them initially, you know, we're going to work up to an hour, but we may stop earlier because there's no sense in just hammering them mm-hmm. if they're done, you know. Um, find somebody that has the passion, because it's, you know, it's, it's not right for everybody. You know, I used to say this when I was in special ed. You know, people would say, oh, God, what an angel working with, you know, disabled kids. And I say to them, you know what? I don't want to work with regular kids. That doesn't interest me. So mm-hmm. thank God you're doing that. 
Right. This is my view. <laughs> so find somebody that has that passion and it's not boring to them because we can be boring, you know? <laughs> I mean, really. We may be interesting in terms of conversation, mm -hmm. but I... it is very challenging to keep it alive when the scope of what someone can do is relatively limited. That's, gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's a, yes, I love it. So, so you want to then find somebody that will take that on and, and that, you know, they will develop that program, you know. And I tell people all the time, if you, I'm not, you know, I'm not a great computer guy. I'm much better verbally or on the phone. But I tell people all the time, call me up and I'll give you my two cents about how to start this or what to do or, you know. If, uh, if I may, we, I, I will be a massive proponent of maybe we can make a video series, uh, uh, bring back to life the, uh, or, or the, newer, the newer generation of, you know, training for the elderly. I think you know, that's a great uh, idea. Update that video series would be fantastic. Yes. And then we can kind of mass communicate exactly what you're saying with some, some tangible examples people could take away. Sure. Uh, the yeah, as we were preparing for the uh, for the podcast, one of our favorite things was you're our first guest ever that has given not only a cell phone number but also a home telephone number. Yeah. Cause yeah. The, cause, Landline. Cause yeah, those, yeah, yeah. Those don't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. No, I, I know. It. I because I live up in the mountains, uh -huh. and uh, my cell phone doesn't work up there. Oh yeah, especially yeah. When, the, when the landslides start going yeah, and the phones exactly. come down. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to just touch on one thing that sure. I omitted, and that is. Um, in addition to how I think about training, there's some things that I don't do. For example, I don't train people in a snatch. Okay. So many of my folks have shoulder issues. Either they have mobility issues with their shoulders, um, or that, or they have physical concern and it, it looks deplorable, you know? They're throwing something <laughs> right. in the air, and their hips are out in front of them, and it's like, and I have to ask myself, why would I want to teach them this, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I really try to tailor where the concerns or movement wants to be with those people mm -hmm. now uh, even but even with a pvc pipe or or anything you just you you admit it all together i i i do a lot we, we do a lot of you know pressing in the front with a pvc pulling with the back but not that load like mm -hmm, that mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know gotcha yeah would you see value with somebody like that that has super tight or some banged up shoulders or whatnot, maybe a mixture of what you're saying and a mixture of what Rory's saying, you give them that PVC pipe, but instead of making it a dynamic movement, you just get them overhead and start slowly increasing an overhead squat range of motion with a PVC pipe, or is that to be avoided well? As well, the other, the other one is overhead squat. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a really tough one for us folks. Because as soon as they today. start to move, that head comes down and those mm -hmm. shoulders come forward. You gotcha. Know? And, and so I can stretch their back out in a variety of ways, but overhead squat is the other one that's really challenging hmm. you know, gotcha. for my folks. Well, the, the future is grim for me. I'm here I was to tell you say, because yeah. my o my overhead squat is not good now. Pat and Sherwood's already incorporated those two rules as well. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm already on board. There you go. <laughs> no press. No, no overhead. Nothing. Yep, anyways. We're good. I'm just ahead of the power curve on that one. <laughs> uh, what What about a, a question unrelated uh, to that population? You know, you're at CrossFit Santa Cruz Central. Annie Sakamoto is there. We had her on the podcast, known her forever. You've you've been around her day in and day out for years. How in the heck does she have so much energy on a daily basis? Do you have any theory on that? I I'll tell you. <laughs> she she cracks me up, first of all. And I said 
one time to her husband, Jake, I said to him, Jake, tell me, <laughs> is she always like this? <laughs> and his response was this. She's disgusting. <laughs> she wakes up that way. That's goes, amazing. I'm not good right in the morning, but she wakes up that way. And Just she's, a bundle of energy. She is. And she's not only a bundle of energy, she's just also incredibly gracious with people. You know? Yep, she's one of the good ones. Yeah. So yep. I feel really fortunate to have her as a business partner. Yeah. We have a lot of fun together. I, want to, I would uh, say you guys have a lot of good things going on there at Santa Cruz Central. I, I want you to make sure yeah. that, that uh, before, we, before we part, I want you to give us uh, one last story because it sounds like you know, obviously you've used your background and you've incorporated it into a very nurturing kind of coaching uh, atmosphere, but uh, I heard a story about Greg wasn't so gentle with you when he when he was coaching. Is that right? Ah! <laughs> was, was, did, did, wasn't he a tough lover? Didn't he, Had a uh, different style? You know, Greg, Greg was, first of all, he really, I, I look back on those days very fondly. He was, he, he was a great, great coach with me. But there was a one time... <laughs> <clears throat> that he was, and I don't remember the content to be honest with you. That he was trying something to, to get the effect me to of, he, it do sounded, something. It sounded like he showered your wife in uh, adoration. Right, right. And, and he called I, you a to I, something about a tortoise. Yeah, I couldn't. No, this he th this well the one I'm thinking about is he kept trying to have me do something and I wasn't doing it. And he takes his hat off and throws it. God damn it, so, <laughs> Debbie. You teach special ed. Show him how to do that. <laughs> Highly then, effective maneuver. And then, and then when we would sit in on the original, on the initial uh, certs, he'd say, you got to really be empathic and you have to understand your client. I'm thinking, oh my God, okay. <laughs> What's That's this fantastic. guy talking about? Those were, and like oh. I say, those are very... I, I I am grateful to him and will always be for um, giving me a path not on in terms of my own um, fitness, but um, a opportunity to move into an arena mm. uh, after working as a principal. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been glorious. I mean, really, people say to me, "God, you're seventy years old and you get a retirement check. Why don't you just hang it up?" I go, "For what?" Right. Why? Mm -hmm. I go, this is not like when you're a principal and you wake up with anxiety in the middle of the night wondering if anybody got shot over the weekend. This is like going to see friends. Yeah. Right. You know, and then Sunday night I do my lesson plan for the week. Yeah. And I walk in and have a good time and I get mad money. So it's <laughs> great. And life's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you're, you have the, you directly tapped into the source, but I think everybody really has that. Uh, well, should have that feeling of gratitude towards Greg. You know, it's me and Pat get to sit here and talk to people like you for a living. Oh, yeah. This this whole ecosystem didn't exist. This this you know, right? Uh, this stuff before and, and what it's grown into is obviously very crazy. But um, in, in a different sense, that's that's the same. Um, I, I, if you can remember it, I want you to tell the tortoise story because I think it's also a very cool correlate for slow. If I remember the story correctly, it was you better tell me because okay. I don't remember. <laughs> it, was, it was something to the effect of your wife picked up things the razor quick, and yeah. you were always a oh yeah 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 you're okay. a slow learner. Thank you. Yeah. Because I think there's a good lesson for anybody. We always we always say CrossFit is a, a low trajectory to distant horizon. You're not right. You know the the, right. the destination is the end of life, right? Like way down the road. Right. And uh, so tell the tortoise story if you remember it. So so Debbie grew up very athletic. Um, her father was. Uh, uh, commissioner of athletics for the Southern Conference, football coach um, in, on the East Coast, and um, and she played sports in high school and college, and so she just has that natural. And she'd been in two games; she was in at fifty-five and and oh, wow. uh, sixty, and um, and I'm not that way. Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> kind of slow and methodical, and and um, one time Greg said, "You know, Jim, Debbie has everything going. She's like, she's like the hare. 
and you're the tortoise. <laughs> he goes, you don't have a whole lot going on, brother. <laughs> but <laughs> There's that empathy. Yeah, but you keep at it. There you, you keep, go. You keep plotting, and you eventually get there. And that's the difference. That was always the difference between Debbie and myself, you know. Um, consistency. Yeah, consistency. Just, just, and, keep, and it, just keep showing up. And it is, a, it is a long game, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. a long game. And I think, it's a, I think that what you do is fantastic. And I think it's a, uh, it brings to life what we always say. You know, we always talk about um, the difference between an Olympic athlete and your grandparents is, differs in degree, not kind. And I think it's amazing how you're applying it to, um, to the population that you're serving. And I, I do want very genuinely to, uh, to update that video series. I think that people would be very well served by that. Great. Yep, we can do that. Great. Sure. Great. Um, this is always the problem with people like you. We could talk for hours and hours and hours, but at some point we got to respect your time I, as well. I understand. But uh, you're close by, so we expect you yeah. to come back sometime. I had a great time. Great. Enjoyed talking uh, with you guys. Jimmy, I had a blast. Thank you very, very much. You're certainly welcome. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. As always, hit us up at patandrowshow at crossfit.com if you have questions, concerns, comments, or hopefully amazing, Compliments. amazing ideas for future guests. See you guys out on the interwebs.